First Corinthians chapter 11. By the way, y'all, to do 360 worship is not easy. We got speakers all over the room, lights all over the room. Can y'all make some noise for the production creative team that put all this together? The worship team, thank you guys so much. We're going to keep worshiping in a second. And I'm really going to try to cram this in together. But you see, tonight is a night that we go back to the center of the center. Uh, tonight is a night that we go back to the home button, if you will. I don't know if your iPhone still has a home button. Um, but, <laughs> you know, when, when you've got so many apps open and your, your Internet starts to slow down, the performance of your phone begins to slow down, what do you do when there's too many apps open? You swipe up. And you begin to start deleting apps. You begin to start taking things out that don't really matter. You're going to stay on the application that you're using right now that you're actually going to need. You see, tonight, tonight, spiritually, that we're just canceling everything out. And we're getting to the center. And that's Jesus Christ. He's the center. He's the center. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, again, we're going to try to get to the heart of what's going on. You see, in 1 Corinthians, what's happening right now in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, it's a, it's a man by the name of Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church in Corinth. If you come to YA, you're very familiar about the, the people of Corinth, right? It, it's actually a lot similar to the modern-day Western civilization of the world, the United States, and all around. You see, the Corinthians in this moment, they, they began to, to, to not only be saved, but still be a Corinthian in the church. You see, historians, when they talk about the church of Corinth, rather the city of Corinth, they talk about the city being a very sexual city. When, when, when it was to Corinthianize something, that meant to sexualize something. This is a time and place when people had so much passion for people. They didn't care what gender. They didn't care what they looked like. They loved and had sex with anyone they pleased. Sounds a lot like culture today. In this moment in scripture, you know what's happening in Corinthian? You know what's happening in the Corinthian church? They beginning, they started, they started to begin to erase genders. They're, they're beginning to dissolve genders. That's a lot like America today. The rich people only hung out with the rich people. The poor people only hung out with the poor people. This is a moment where, where all that was seeping into the church because people from outside will begin to confess Jesus as Lord but go back to their old ways. This is why Holy Communion is in place, so that we remember who Jesus is, yet so we know who we are. And so what Paul is saying in this chapter and verse, he's telling the Corinthians, hey, what I receive from the Lord is what I also pass on to you. You see, this Holy Communion was given to the world by Jesus himself. Jesus installed Holy Communion. He even said, do this as often as you can. Drink of the bread. Drink of the bread. Drink of the cup and eat of the bread. That's like when it's like, close your eyes and bow your whatever. Did I say it right? It's close your heads and bow your eyes. Pray for your pastor. I get dyslexic at the 8.30. Hello. This is awesome. This is awesome. Listen, don't miss this. Paul's saying, what I received, I give. What came to me, I'm giving to you. What is he doing? He's keeping up with a tradition. There's a tradition. 
You might be here today. You may be an atheist, agnostic. Welcome home. We love you. Keep coming. You say, I'm not about tradition. That's why I'm, I'm not really about the church because I don't like tradition. I'm a person that's untraditional. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Can I, can, can I convince you? You see, we're all about traditions. We're all about rhythms. The way you shop, you shop the same way every time. You go to the mall, you go store to store, or you go to your store. You look at the rack, you go to the sales section. Hello. <laughs> am I preaching to anybody at the 830? <laughs> go to the sales section, just get a quick scrub of it, right? Just we all shop the same way. It's a tradition. It's a tradition. It's a rhythm. You know what happened? You know, here's scary, something scary. 40% of the actions your mind does today, you didn't even have to think about it. It just did it on its own because you do it every day. It's a rhythm. It's a habit. Some of us have habits. How many times you try to break habits? How many times we try to break habits that are just deadly to our lives? How many times you and I take on new habits and we try to break them and we try to break them and we come into the church and say, I don't want tradition when your whole life has been tradition. So Paul's like, guys, I'm giving you a tradition because there's, 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 there's Christian people who aren't walking and looking like Jesus outside. I'm giving you a tradition. And I'm not just giving it to you because I came up with it. Jesus himself gave this to me. First idea tonight is this. Listen, it's false to believe that you're not into tradition because everything you do is a pattern and rhythm. You ever drove home and just don't know how you got home? Because you just, you do it all the time. It's second nature. Psychologists, watch this. Psychologists confirm this. If you do emotion long enough, you carve a neural pattern in your brain that sometimes your brain just does it without you consciously thinking of it. We all have rituals. We all have traditions. But here's my next idea. The only way you end up changing what you want to do is changing the rhythm. We think, we think changing what I want to do comes with information. We think, oh, if I just hear the right stuff, I'll change what I want to do. And that's a deadly idea for a Christian because you're waiting for the next sermon to overthrow your struggle. You're waiting for the next word to sip into your habits. And we say, if I just get information, what I do will change. No, that's not true. A lot of times, if you begin to do a new rhythm, what you want to do will also change. What you want to do changes when you get into a new rhythm. That's what a habit is. A habit is when your brain is fed information long enough that it carves out pathways in your mind. The physical carves a path for the psychological and the spiritual. The physical carves out a path in the psychological and the spiritual. I'm talking about rhythms, patterns, habits, traditions. And this is what Paul's trying to install in the church. So Holy Communion, I'm telling you, this is the first night we do it at YA. We do it on Sundays. We're going to start doing it a lot more on Tuesday nights. Skip down to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. Jesus Christ came into the world as a baby, in a virgin, in a manger, all of authority functioning in the lowest way. You and I get to be humble because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us. You and I get to change because of the God inside of us. 
God took all the authority and power of heaven. He came into, into the earth to serve. He came in humble. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He started his ministry at 30. He ended at 33. The night that he established this new system of holy communion, this new tradition, you know what was going on? This wasn't just a regular night. It was the Passover night. And if you're a Jew, you, you know in here what the Passover is. You see, when you look at the verse, it says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, this is when he was taken up, right? Judas says, I'm itching out of this moment. You're about to take in communion. You're about to hang out with Jesus. This is Jesus' last hangout with his disciples. It's the last time he's hanging out with them. Judas, how many of you guys know Judas? Is the one disciple that slipped away. He goes and he sells Jesus. That's why the verse says on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took this. this they're actually, here's the setting. They're in the upper room. Theologians believe this is the same room that the Holy Spirit fell in the book of Acts. It's the same room. So they're in this room. And, and, and they're hanging out. And it's not just a regular night. It's Passover feast. Passover is a Jewish tradition where they would take bread and wine and they'd get the family and they'd come together and they would remember all that God has done. There was already bread at the table because of the type of night it was. You guys with me? It was the Passover night. This resembled God's goodness. See, in the Passover night, this, this tradition took two to three hours. Of just taking certain amounts of bread. They'd eat certain herbs. This is a tradition. They would eat certain bitter herbs to represent the bitter herbs they ate in the wilderness while running away from the captivity of Egypt. And God provided manna from heaven. God provided a way out for them. He supplied them. God, the God of Israel, took his people of Israel out of slavery and out of captivity. And this Passover feast was all about remembering what God did. They'd look at the little kids in the room. Think about Thanksgiving. They'd look at the little kids in the room and then go, what is tonight about? We're here for the Passover meal. What is tonight about? And the children would look up and say, this was the day that Yahweh saved us. Yahweh meaning I am that I am. The God of the Bible. The one true God of the universe. This is the night that the wrath of God was not on us. Watch this. The mercy of God came through justice. The mercy of God came through justice. You see, in these times, watch this. In these times, in the Old Testament, actually the first Passover, this is interesting. God was going to send the spirit of death through a city. You got to hear me well tonight. He's going to send a spirit of death through the city. Not everyone was going to die. This is what he said. Hey, if you don't want to die, if you want to live, I'm going to cleanse this place of all evil. I'm going to cleanse this city of all the impurity, of all the sin, and of all the evil, and people will die. If you want to survive, get into a house with your family, eat and feast, but put blood of an innocent animal on the front doorpost. Notice God's movement always causes us to unite. He says, I'm going to send the spirit of death to cleanse, to purge, to remove evil in this city. And if you believe in me, and if you call me your Lord, go into your house, close the door, and eat with your family. But put a, 
put the blood of an innocent animal on the doorpost so that when the spirit of death goes through the city, he would see the blood and he would pass over you. This is the Passover feast in Jewish tradition. They would eat and drink. And Jesus walking into a culture on this night, this represented the God of the universe, the God of Israel, the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. This represented the one true God. So Jesus is sitting with a bunch of Jews, and he says some crazy stuff. Modern Jews, if you didn't believe in Jesus, you'd probably want to hit him with all the things he started saying. Because if you didn't believe he was the son of God, you'd think, who is this guy? Who, who is this guy talking? Talking so crazy. Let's read what he's saying. Let's read what he's saying. It says in 1 Corinthians Verse 23, for I received from the Lord, but I also passed to you. The Lord, on the night Jesus, he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So the disciples are like, whoa, you just said something crazy. This Passover was never about you. It was about Yahweh. And now you're saying this body that I break is your body? This bread that I eat is you? What is Jesus doing? He's centralizing all religion through him. Jesus makes it simple, y'all. You don't have to run through church hoops to get saved. You have to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and it's done. He centralizes it. He said, no, no, no. This is my body you eat. And they're like, we've been doing this all our life. All we know is to be thankful for Yahweh. What is he saying? I am Yahweh. I am God in the flesh, here in the world, so that my body will be broken for you. No longer you need animal sacrifices to cover your sin. God has sent the ultimate sacrifice to erase your sin forever and ever. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. An interesting word Jesus says right here in the scripture is remembrance. Do this in remembrance. What is Jesus saying by saying, this is my body broken for you, the bread is me? Jesus is saying this, the Passover is about me now. This Passover feast, church, it's about me. Because I'm going to die in a couple hours. And my blood holds power. And my sacrifice, even in 2020, if you confess and believe Jesus is Lord, you are saved today because of a sacrifice done 2,020 years ago that split history books in half. That's your Jesus. He's saying, do this in remembrance of me. You see, so, so Jesus is centralizing this Passover feast. Modern-day Jews would look at Jesus and say, you're crazy. I'm leaving this room because this tradition just got broken. So tradition is now Jesus. And now we do this in remembrance of this man who is not 100% man. He's also 100% God. So he's sitting there, and he's speaking all these things. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance. Listen, here's my next idea. The opposite of remember in this context isn't only to forget. It's also to dismember. So God says, Jesus says, do this when you eat of the bread and drink of the cup in remembrance of me. The opposite of remembering isn't only to forget in this context. So, so we think, okay, do this in remembrance. I'm never going to forget Jesus now. I'm never going to forget it. I got you. That's what we do, right? We, we take things and we go, we go left with it. 
Okay, cool. Do this in remembrance of you. God, I'll, not, I'll, get, I'll get a cross tattooed on my arm. So every time I, I'll remember. But in this context, it's the opposite of remember is not only to forget, it's actually also to dismember, to be removed, to be detached. How many Christians do you know detached from the church every single day? It's not because they didn't forget. It's because they dismembered. And Jesus is like, yo, do this as often as you can. Because it's not only you remembering, it's you being fused back together. It's you actually taking this tradition that will change your tomorrow. Not just to recall, it means to fuse back. Church, are you with me tonight? Can you give a shout of praise if you love Jesus in the room? Come on. I want to skip down a little bit of verse 25. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. So he says, this is my body broken for you. And verse 25, it says, in the same way, after, the, after he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant, the new covenant. There was an old covenant. And now he's saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. He's centralizing it in me. He says, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what tonight's about, proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. Proclaiming. Proclaiming. I promise you, next time you're in temptation, proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in that scenario. The next moment you feel like acting like everything other than Jesus, proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus in that moment. You see, if none of you guys showed up tonight and it was just me and Chris, let's say all y'all said, oh, dang, the corona's crazy. I ain't going to church. Devil is a liar. <laughs> We're going to wave at you tonight. Hello. But let's say none of y'all showed up. And it's me and my boy Chris. We got our cups and our bread and we do it and we proclaim it. Even if there aren't any ears to hear us, if nobody was here, I would still proclaim it because someone is still listening. Demons and devils and principalities and dark forces hear the sound of Jesus. They hear the death and resurrection. They remember the day he showed up to hell and took the keys of hell. If none of you were here tonight, we'd still proclaim it. Somebody's still listening. So Jesus is like, do this as often as you can. It's how you fuse back to my family. It's how you come back home. It's how you swipe up and, and hit the home button on your life. I'm the center. Remember my death. Remember my resurrection. Eat this body. That's my body crushed for you. Eat this bread. That's who I am crushed for you. Drink the cup. It's a remembrance of the blood that was shed for you so that you will come together and remember what I've done for you. Verse 27 says this, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So what he's saying in this moment, hey, if you don't believe in me, just skip this. So, man, maybe you're a guest in here. You don't believe in, Je in Jesus. When the bucket comes by with the cup and the bread and you don't believe, just let it pass. That's totally okay because we're a church for people who don't believe. If you didn't know that, we love you. 
before we do Holy Communion, I want to do an altar call. A salvation call, if you will. If anybody in here wants to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. But I love verse 28. It says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Everyone ought to examine. So Jesus is saying, do you see the picture, guys? I'm trying to get you the, the real biblical teaching and meaning of Holy Communion is Jesus centralizing the old covenant and establishing a new one. He's calling us to remember, to come back together, to remember his body being broken, to remember the blood that was shed for us and proclaiming his death into his resurrection. And he says, before you even eat, before you even drink, examine yourself. What is my life? What are my sins? This is why tonight is so powerful. Because here's what I know, that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know. Is that YA is leaving 1143 Parnell Street spiritually connected to the very real living body of Jesus through his sacrifice and his mercy. Examine yourself right here, right now. We're going to sing in a second. But I want to give you an opportunity to examine yourself. What is your life? What are your sins? Y'all, this is life-changing when you understand the power of communion. What are your sins? What is your life? How's your heart? How's your mind? How's your soul? Examine yourself in this moment. I'm asked just to dim the lights a bit, to give people some privacy. And would you bow your heads and close your eyes and examine yourself? Don't fall asleep. I know it's late. We're almost done, but examine yourself. Examine yourself. All of the leaders, help me out. Be a part of the moment. Be a part of the moment, leadership. Examine. Ask for forgiveness for what you do. Repent. Repent is a church word for turn away. Turn around. And come back to the body. Come back home.